Goose Charter Clubhouse. And if you're not familiar, what we do is, uh, this is a way to bless the community. We just offer free gift wrapping. And they can bring as many, well, I think we can put a limit on it at some point. And we said no large screen televisions. <laughs> Didn't want to get into dealing with that. But uh, people from the community can bring their presents and we'll, we'll wrap them for them. So what's on here is a place to put your name and then there's uh, four blocks of time. Uh, six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine, nine to ten. You can check one or you can check all four. So whatever, you know, your time commitment, whatever you desire that to be, um, just, you know, check that in. If you want to uh, just check the first two, that's fine. You know, whatever you can do. Uh, so I'm going to just start this over here with Kelsey. Are you going to be giving any instructions Well, yes. <laughs> but there is more to do than actually wrap. We have people wrapping. We have people putting bows on packages. We have people sort of acting as our uh, hospitality envoys with folks because we provide uh, coffee and snacks and things like that. So there's a lot of different things to do. But yes, we will provide gift wrapping instructions um, if necessary. Actually, Cliff is an expert gift wrapper. He can, uh, <laughs> he says no. All right. Um, well, perhaps. Actually, though, he was, um, he was wearing a shirt last week, I think, that says, if you want to get on the naughty list to see him. So <laughs> I'm not so sure that, that he qualifies as an elf. <laughs> All right. Um, if you would, if you uh, would get your connection cards out that are either in front of you or perhaps if you're in the front row, they're behind you. And uh, we're just going to take a moment to fill those out. They uh, kind of help us know uh, whether or not any of your information has changed, whether or not you are new with us, uh, if you need anything uh, in, in terms of information about some aspect of the church. And there's also a place for prayer requests. So um, if we're just going to take a moment to fill those out, and then uh, we will get on with our service. Celebrate as we step forward. 
change But through it all Love remains All right, let's pray and we'll start. So, Father, I just I lift this time, this message up before you, Father, and I just pray that um, you would be in the midst of it, that you would give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see, that you would open the eyes of our heart, Father, to understand and to revel in the hope that we have in you. We give you thanks and ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're starting a four-week series today. Believe it or not, this is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine, but Thanksgiving is really late this year, and uh, Christmas is in full swing, as I know you're all aware. So this is the first Sunday of Advent. And now, the purpose of this series is really going to be um, to connect you with the invitations that God has put in your life. And... I think there's a lot of people, and even those that, that follow Jesus on a regular basis, that walk through their life on a, very, on a daily basis really never knowing that at any moment in that particular day, there could be all these invitations from the Father to get involved in his kingdom. We don't know that we're invited to see what God sees, to really care about what God cares about to help a person that we may come across and come alongside God to be the hands and feet that that person needs. We don't realize that we're invited to a peace that we can't explain, to a love that never fails, to hope that doesn't disappoint, and to a joy that's too great for words. Now these invitations are nothing new. God's always been inviting humanity to partner with him. Take, for example, his unlikely invitation to an innocent teenage girl thousands of years ago. I'm going to paraphrase Luke 1, 28 through 38. Greetings, Mary. The Lord favors you. I have an invitation for you. You're invited not to fear, though you are understandably startled. You're invited to trust God, for you're a favorite of the Lord's. You're invited to live the impossible, to conceive and bear a son and call him Jesus. You're invited to live outside your feminine Hebrew box, to be the mother of a son who is also the son of the Most High. You're invited into the family line of King David so that your son will rule Jacob's descendants forever whose kingdom will never end. You're invited to let God the Father be the answer to the question of your humanity, your purity, your virginity. You're invited to receive God's life from the Spirit so that your body can't help but generate life, a son, the son of God. You're invited to be comforted with new personal knowledge about your cousin, yes, God knows your cousin, Elizabeth. You're invited to see God's handiwork in her as he changed the insurmountable, reversing her barrenness with a child. She's six months along, even in her old age. 
You're invited into this story with him whose word never fails. And when she heard that, Mary asked one question. Just one. Her question was answered. Answered with even more mystery. Not a crystal clear, scientifically plausible, I know now what I can tell my mama kind of answer. Still in the mystery and implausibility, Mary accepted God's invitation. Mary said yes, and that yes changed the world. It changed your world. Now, wouldn't we all like to get an invitation from God that had that kind of significance attached to it? An invitation to participate in the kingdom in the way that he has chosen us to participate, just as he chose a way for Mary to participate. Well, the thing is, we do. What if you said yes to the Holy Spirit today? You were made for a life of wild adventure. A spirit-filled, spirit-powered life. But sometimes we feel hopeless, powerless to help in an overwhelming world with so much need all around us. We wonder if God can really use us. Aren't Christians called to live like Jesus, doing what we see the Father doing? Isn't being a Christian about doing what Jesus did? Isn't being a Christian about having the Holy Spirit in us, doing great things through us in powerful ways? If those are the questions you're asking, you're in good company. We are a movement of people saying yes to God, welcoming the Holy Spirit to use us at any moment, in any place, no matter who we are or where we've come from. And we have thousands of stories of ordinary people being used by an extraordinary God in the places we work, play, and live. Heal the sick, pray for the lonely, set captives free, have faith that moves mountains. We get to do it all, every day, if we're willing to say yes to the Holy Spirit. God can use you at home, at work, at school, in the grocery store, riding a taxi, or talking to our neighbor. Wherever we find ourselves, God is there, waiting for us to say yes, Holy Spirit, yes to whatever you want to do through me. And when we say yes, things change, and we change too. Say yes to the Holy Spirit changing you. Say yes to the Holy Spirit helping you to see others in need. Say yes to the Holy Spirit using you in your family, your neighborhood, your place of study or work, your city, and around the world. Life with the Spirit can be a wild ride. It can be a bigger adventure than we had planned for our lives, but it's worth it. You can live an exciting life led by the Spirit. You can be an empowered follower of Jesus who takes risks and has miraculous adventures with God. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Be changed. Be available. Be ready for what God will do. Say yes to the Holy Spirit.
Now what you just saw was sort of an all-encompassing invitation to do all the things that Jesus did, to participate in the life of God. And that's important because it, it helps us to understand that we're all called, we're all invited to participate. It's not just the work of the clergy, it's not the work of the chosen few, it's everybody, it's everyone. In the vineyard we always use the phrase, everyone gets to play, and that's, this, that's the essence of that, the meaning for that. That we're all invited to do all the things that Jesus did. But because this is the first Sunday of Advent, and the traditional theme for that Sunday is hope, I'd like us to focus on that. And so I offer you now an invitation to hope. We're going to read from the Gospel of Luke, which, uh, chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, expectation and hope were the source of the perseverance that Simeon had had all those years. Simeon was old, and he had a whole lot of stuff to think about. I'm sure that just like all of us here, he had disappointments in his life. He had regret in his life. Those things that we have a tendency to, to put on uh, replay, and we just you know, play them over and over again and, and tend to focus on. But the thing about Simeon is that rather than just dwelling there, you know, than kind of just making that place his home, even in his old age, Simeon was still looking to God's future, not his necessarily, but God's future. And he was looking at it with a brightness and a hope that belied the life that he had probably lived. Simeon's secret was in his worship and in his expectation for God. Worship and praise were just kind of a natural thing for him. They are the center of his life. And you know there's nothing so bleak as a day that doesn't include a tomorrow. And with God, Simeon could come to every new day with hope and with good cheer. Neither old age nor grim circumstances could keep him from the comfort of God. <coughs> so my question to you today is this. Is there something preventing you from hoping for the future? Perhaps you've rejected God in the past. That's a fairly common thing. Well, if we look to in the book of Ezra, it says this, And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra, We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. See, the nation of Israel had rejected God, but they knew enough about the character and about the everlasting love of God that they knew they still had hope. There was still hope. Maybe you're poor and you're needy in some way and you believe that God has forgotten you. 
Well, Psalm 9.18 says, For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. You can have hope in God because His Word tells you that there is hope. Are you going through a time of painful discipline where God's trying to grow and mature your faith? Psalm 39 records this. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. This is King David writing. King David went through any number of trials, of hardships. And yet, through all of that, he maintained his hope in God. For a lot of people, the holidays are hard. They bring about some distress, perhaps even some depression. It's a time when we have a tendency to remember those that have gone before us because they're not around to celebrate with us any longer. And so that brings about this feeling of, of depression rather than joy. But Psalm 42.11 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, the author of this psalm clearly understood that that situation was temporary. It wasn't a permanent place to dwell and to live. It was temporary. And he knew that hope in God was the antidote to those feelings of distress and depression. Now, a lot of us, and this includes myself, have to deal with impatience. And the problem there is that when, if impatience is left unchecked, it causes us to take matters into our own hands. And oftentimes, when we take matters into our own hands, we end up outside of what God's will is for us. And, you know, God will certainly allow you to do that. He'll certainly say, well, okay, you want to try that on, yourself, on your own? Please, go ahead. It's probably not going to turn out well, but you're welcome to try. And Psalm 62.5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. See, this is another one of David's psalms, and so this was clearly an issue with David, Right? He was a man of action. And men or people, women as well, of action tend to want to take action. They don't like waiting. They don't like being quiet. They don't like sitting there. They've got to do something. And that was clearly what David uh, dealt with. And I have a feeling that he almost wrote this psalm. This is, this is not exegesis. This is my own opinion. That he wrote this psalm to remind himself to wait that he, had it, he, he needed to maintain his hope in God's resolution to his situation and not move forward and think that he can fix it on his own. The Bible is full of examples of people who went forward and tried to fix things on their own, and it records how royally they screwed things up. Sometimes God would come along and fix it. Sometimes he might just let them stew in it for a while. But the thing is, we've got to understand that so often patience is what's required because our hope for a, a, 
a good and proper settlement to whatever the issue is rests in God. Maybe there's some sort of a trial that's front and center in your life right now. Could be a family issue, could be a job issue, could be a relationship issue, could be a health issue, could be any number of things. Psalm 71, verse 14 says, But I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. Now what you can't see, which I have, because I've not shown you the whole psalm in, in all these cases, but the author of this psalm was, was dealing with some sort of a trial. We don't necessarily know what it was, but there was a problem in his life. And his answer was not to give up or to give in, but to double down by increasing his hope in and his praise of God. Maybe you're someone who's worried about the next generation. That they're growing up without any knowledge of God. Psalm 78, 7 says this. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And again, what I'm not showing you is, Scripture is saying that you are the answer to that problem. That God has commanded all of us to teach the next generation so that they might know God. And that in knowing him, they would have hope. Maybe you just want a blessed life. Who doesn't? Psalm 146 tells us, Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Hope in God is the answer to having a blessed life. Now if you're wondering there, just sitting there just kind of wondering, how can you have this kind of hope in your life? It's actually pretty easy. The secret, the key, is faith. Paul writes this in uh, Romans chapter 5. He says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. See, it all starts with faith. Do you need a lot of faith? No. If you've never seen a mustard seed, you have now. Jesus will work with whatever you've got. You talked about faith like a mustard seed. And the mustard seed is, is one of, if not the tiniest of all seeds. Gives you some perspective there. So just how small it is. God can work with faith like that. He tells us that in his word. And so understand this day that you are being invited to hope. You're being invited to hope. You're being invited to hope in a God who loves you despite any rejection or apathy that you've had towards him. You're in being invited to hope in a God 
who loves you enough to discipline you when it's necessary, just like any good parent. You're being invited to hope in a God who loves you in your distress and your depression. You're being invited to hope in a God who loves you even when we grow impatient with him. You're being invited to hope in a God who loves you in the midst of your trials. You're being invited to hope in a God who simply loves you and wants to bless you. Hope came over 2,000 years ago as a newborn. And it is that in that coming that we celebrate again at Christmas. And so I invite you today to put your faith in Jesus and accept his invitation of hope. Amen. going to ask us to be quiet now for a moment. Let's see what, what God may want to do in a little bit of time that we have left. had a word given that uh, there is someone here who's suffering with uh, a kind of depression, but it's not a normal sort of depression. It almost borderlines on an oppression, it's something that you, that you don't normally deal with. It's sort of not your everyday average depression. This is something new, something uh, kind of beyond that. that's you would love to pray with you we could ask some of our prayer team to uh, be ready to receive folks at the back of the church just invite you to partake of that to to receive prayer if, if that's if you have any kind of an issue in your life whether it's healing need, whether it's a emotional need, whether it's any one of the needs that I sort of spoke about today, if you're just in a place where you, you feel like you don't have hope, then let God speak to you today. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to dismiss, but I invite you to stay you know, as long as you like, as long as you feel God moving and working, as you feel the Spirit's presence encourage you not to 
just jump up and run out if, if that's happening in, within you at, the, at this time. So Lord, I just I thank you for your word, for your person that brings hope in the face of a world that is very much devoid of it right now. God, the one thing I think our world needs more than, almost more than love is hope. Hope for a better tomorrow, hope for a knowledge that even though things seem to be out of control, that you are always in control. And we simply have to trust and put our hope and our faith in you. Father, I pray that each and every person here would have the opportunity to bring hope to somebody this week. That you would use them in such a way that they would encounter someone who is lacking. And that through your word spoken through them, they would find hope. Bless each and every person here, Lord, as we leave this place whatever we go to the rest of this uh, this week just give you thanks Lord that our hope is in you it's in Jesus sweet name that we pray this prayer Amen God bless you all. Have a, uh, have a wonderful week. We hope to see you.